We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. The Indiana Pacers. Reggie from the wing. Hey! to the big fella, fake shoots, and hits! He hits! He hits! He hits! He hits! He hits! seconds to play. Seven. Here's a three by Oladipo. Oh, he hit it! Victor Oladipo from three-point range! 18.7 seconds left. Miller for three, and he got it. Reggie Miller with a clutch tray and a steal. Miller retreats to the three-point line. What is going on? Pacer Nation, welcome back to Setting the Pace. I'm your host, Alex Golden. Joining me every week is the insider and coach, Tyler Smith. And on the other side, we have the president of the German O'Neill Fan Club, Michael J. Focci. But we have a very special guest today, the one and only from Fox Sports Indiana, Jeremiah Johnson. Thanks for joining us today, Jeremiah. Happy to be here. This is a fun time of the year, you know, with March Madness, college basketball, but of course we're focused on the playoff chase, and it's uh, always fun to be talking about a team that is in the playoffs and beginning to kind of figure out who you're going to play in the first round. Yeah, exactly. Celtics have not been playing the greatest. The Pacers are still sitting there with that four seed, but I want to talk to you a little bit about, you know, that, that West Coast losing streak that we had there and just overall, the last some of those games, we saw some close moments with Bojan Bogdanovic being the guy taking the last shot. We saw it once here against OKC, and then against Denver, we saw it as well. So just just curious your thoughts there with Bojan uh, being the go-to guy down the stretch. Um, so far, he's not hit any game winners, but he's had some nice looks. Uh, what are your thoughts on Bojan being the guy now with Victor Oladipo out? I think Boyan is the guy. I'm not necessarily uh, set that he's the guy you want, necess- you know, taking the final shot. But I think you know, over the course of the game and getting off to good starts is so important. He definitely is someone that you need to go to early in games. I think it's fascinating to watch them execute offense early in first quarters and see 
how many times they can get him, you know, open on a backdoor screen and get him, you know, early offense. And when he gets it going early, it usually does tend to carry over and he has a really solid first half. I think they still have to work on their late game execution. And as you saw uh, against Denver and against Portland and the Clippers, they were close. And I really think you could have made a case they could have won each of those games if certain things had gone right, specifically that Denver game. And and even if you go back to the Oklahoma City game at home, Boyan had that shot and he missed and Wesley Matthews had the putback. So I don't know that they've got everything figured out in terms of who to go to without Victor Oladipo in the final couple of minutes of the game. I almost think that if Darren Collison is healthy, he might be the guy that I want shooting. I think if it's a three-point shot, maybe Wesley Matthews, if he's open, I think he's shown, and over the course of his career, he doesn't shy away from that moment, and he might be good. And and if you have a certain matchup advantage, I like to just get it in the post and go at Sabonis <laughs> one-on-one, depending on what the score is. I think you could um, do a lot worse than by diagramming a play, putting Sabonis in the game, and letting him go to work. So I still think they have to work on things, but in a best-of-seven series, not every game is close. Sometimes you win by 15 and then maybe you lose by 10 or 12 and there might be one or two games that are close and that will swing the series and that's what I think they have to work on but I think Boyan it's been fascinating to watch him kind of get more comfortable with the Pacers with Indiana with the fans with the media even I think it's just been a great two-year run for Boyan Bogdanovich and I think it's been it's been great to see and I think he's accepted all the responsibility with Victor Oladipo out. Yeah, I agree with you. Uh, this is Tyler talking. Uh, JJ, good to have you on the show. I wanted to ask you about the uh, home and away differences for this team. Um, I get to cover the home games, but you get to travel and see all the games up close. And specifically without Oladipo, um, I believe the Pacers are 15-4 and four at home without him and something like 6-14 and 14 on the road without him. So have you noticed anything uh, when you compare this team at home and on the road? Is it, is it just a matter of uh, comfort level and confidence? Um, what's, why has it been such a big difference, and, and do you think they can turn it around here at the end? You know, I think it is, you know, a little bit of a small sample size in that that four-game Western Conference road trip might have been the toughest road trip in recent memory in that you had, you know, basically at any one point in time, you know, teams in the top five in the Western Conference. I know the Thunder have dropped, or actually, uh, yeah, the Clippers are up there right now. Portland's up there, Golden State and Denver. So uh, you've got top four, top five teams all on the same road trip. That's going to be difficult. The other, you know, scenario I think that came into play is, when Sabonis hurt his ankle at Detroit, it really kind of hurt their chances later on in that road trip and even in the stretch there in uh, in early March or late February. So uh, without Oladipo, they don't have the margin for error. They can't just have guys like Collison be out of the lineup and not have it be impactful and have Sabonis missing two or three games and have it, you know, not affect them. So it just goes back to, I think, you know, the margin for error is less. I do think on the road, you know, Victor was kind of that calming influence. And I have noticed, you know, in the road games in the last year and a half when Victor was healthy, he was kind of the guy that when guys were down, he would try to pick the spirits up. He would be very vocal in the huddles. And I will give Wesley Matthews a lot of credit that I've noticed he has that kind of impact in terms of huddles. But during the last couple of weeks, I don't think he's been as in the flow offensively. And that's something I think over the final eight games this team needs to kind of work on a little bit is that, He's a very important piece. He's not going to be Victor Oladipo, but he can't be, you know, Edmund Sumner. He has to be very, you know, to me, you've got to get him five or six three-pointers a game. You've got to get him in the flow of the offense. And then he has an even better role defensively and in terms of his leadership. So they miss Victor Oladipo. I think the schedule's been difficult. That's played a factor in the eight straight losses on the road. But prior to that point, you know, we were saying they were – 
you know, I think before the eight-game road losing streak, and obviously Victor was a big part of some of those games, but they were one of the top five teams in terms of road record. I think they can get it back. They'll never be as good as they could have been if Victor Oladipo was playing. I think the goal is, though, to make it so it's just a slight drop-off and not, you know, what we've seen over the last eight games. But Nate told him after practice today, he always has a message for them when they wrap up practice. He called them in and he said, you know, you've lost eight in a row, and he wanted them to take that personal. So you come to this road trip, you're at Oklahoma City, you're at Boston. These are very important games. You have a chance uh, to get some success on the road. But then again, their goal right now is to have home court advantage in the playoffs. And if you have home court advantage in the first round, I guess you don't have to win a road game. That's right. <laughs> hey, JJ, we just touched on just how brutal that stretch was recently. But how important of a win do you think it is to have a 36-point blowout of the Denver Nuggets to so this Pacers team that kind of looked downright tired against Golden State and maybe a bit short on confidence following four games and six nights against playoff teams. I mean, what can that really do to the confidence of this team? You know, it was a huge game. Now, at the same time, I thought that Oklahoma City win was a huge win, one they needed against a really good team, and they had a big comeback. And I thought there was a little bit of carryover, to be honest with you, into that Denver game because the Pacers got off to a fantastic start. But then over the course of the road trip, I did see guys, you know, personally felt like they kind of ran out of gas a little bit. And I did see some frustration that you don't often see from this team. And the reason you don't often see it is, in like a year and a half of basketball, they only had one time they had a three-game losing streak, and that was um, earlier there a couple months ago. So uh, I think the losses tend to get a little bit of frustration. It begins to mount, and that's why you had to have that win. But you, you needed to have a win, as you mentioned, against a team like Denver, not against the Knicks or you know the Cavs or the Bulls. You needed to show everybody, yes, this is still a team that can – you know, do something against a really good competition type of team. And, you know, that's one of the things the Pacers, you could say it's a positive. They take care of business against teams with under 500 records, but then their record against the, the playoff caliber teams is not so good, and that's who you have to beat in the playoffs. Now, you have to factor in Denver was in a situation on the last game of their road trip. They'd won six in a row. They were probably due for a letdown. But the Pacers didn't just, you know, get by against Denver. They destroyed them. They kind of took their will away from them. So there should be some carryover. There should be some confidence in heading into this this road trip. I think another good thing is two days off. I mean, Monday off, no practice, Tuesday practice. This team has really been good over the last few years when they've got two days between games, and that also factors into you know the playoffs. You'll have a few of those circumstances as well. One of the questions I wanted to talk to you about a little bit here is the interesting season we've seen with Tyreek Evans. So there's been suspensions, there's been food poisoning, then there's been a leave of absence, you know, dismissed, whatever was going on with the last situation. And now we have seen almost a revived Tyreek Evans since the West Coast road trip, since he rejoined in Denver, and then going into last Sunday night's game against Denver as well. So five good games out of Tyreek. There's, I know Scott Agnes wrote a great article on his relationship with Nate McMillan and them having a conversation recently. So just being around Tyreek, what have you seen from him this season? And do you think that you know Tyreek is trending towards uh, towards the guy we expected to get when we uh, when we signed him this offseason? Um, it's a difficult question to answer <laughs> because uh, I tend to think you know over the course of this entire season, I'll be honest, I haven't been uh, I haven't really enjoyed the Tyreek Evans experience all that much, and I don't think that that's you know 
speaking out of turn to say that, I, there were so many expectations. And you did think when Victor Oladipo went down, well, this is why you have Tyreek Evans. He can be that playmaker because you know, that's the one thing you're missing. Even late in games, you thought, well, if you could give the ball to Victor and he could create offense and, and make plays for you, you at least still had Tyreek Evans. Maybe he would be in to close out games. And he just has never really been able, able to either get comfortable with this system, with this team, uh, with his health, and just the other things he's had going on. It just, it just has not been a perfect fit. Now, the last week or so, I do think there's a little bit of sense of, sense of urgency from his perspective, you know, individually. He's on a one-year contract. He doesn't want this to be his last year in the NBA. He knows this is a chance to play in the playoffs, which I believe he's only ever he's only done one other time in his career, and he didn't even win a game in that playoff series. So there's a lot at stake right now. I would expect him to rise to the occasion. He is a player that when the GM survey came out, he was viewed as the most impactful offseason addition. So it's wow. not like that nobody thought this was possible, but – I'll be honest, I kind of didn't think it was going to happen this year with this team. And now over the last week, and they even said today after practice that even when Darren Collison comes back, he's going to put the ball in Tyreek Evans' hands more with that second unit. And you'll start to see if it's Darren Collison starting and Tyreek Evans and Corey Joseph coming off the bench, it, it will start to look, I think, more like a Tyreek Evans as the kind of pseudo point guard and, and Corey Joseph kind of as the two. And you'll just have to – You'll have to take the good with the bad. I do like it that he gets it going downhill quickly. Um, the one thing I'll continue to watch, though, is, is kind of the turnovers because he's sometimes careless with the basketball, and then the other time is he's not – I don't think it's breaking news here. He's not been a great finisher. At the same time, I think whenever he misses, Sabonis seems to know where the ball is going to uh, come down, and he's great at getting those offensive rebounds. And so I'd rather have a miss at the rim with someone else there for a putback. So, um, you know – I'm not going to sugarcoat and say everything's great one weekend. Now you can expect greatness the rest of the way. But I, but I have seen more in the last week than I'd seen up to this point. And I do think that um, the other thing he does, which I haven't even mentioned, is defensively he provides size on the perimeter, which this team really seems like a number of times over the years, with the exception of maybe being George Hill, they've had smaller you know, guards. And so he's a guard that can guard bigger backcourt players. And I think that's probably been the best thing to me he's done this year is his defense. I didn't really know that he was much of a defender, and I don't think he's been spectacular on the defensive end, but I think he's been very solid all season long on that end of the floor, and that is where I think he can help this team in a playoff series. I can understand now why I think fans were questioning in January, February, just just move on. You know, he has a skill set that this team doesn't have and that if you get in a playoff series, you really need. If you have injuries, you really need. You just have to be able to get it out of him. And if Nate McMillan's gotten it out of him over the last couple of weeks, I say better late than never. Absolutely, yeah, I could, uh, I can see it now. You know, Tyreek Evans leading the the Pacers to a uh, playoff series win. I'm not sure that uh, Pacers <laughs> Twitter would know what to do with that, but um, <laughs> that that'd be pretty cool. But speaking of the playoffs, I want to get your opinion on the Pacers' likely opponent, the Boston Celtics. It's been such a weird season for them. You know, with the crazy high expectations, they got so much talent, amazing coach. Um, but whether they're the four or the five seed, you know, obviously some locker room issues going on. Um, people keep waiting on them to turn it around. But my question really to all of you guys and uh, start with you, JJ, is should Pacer fans still um, maybe worry about the Celtics? Because I personally feel like they're still going to be a really dangerous team to play because I think it just takes one game um, for a team like that to maybe figure it out and then they could take off. So what are your thoughts on uh, the Celtics come playoff time? 
I think it's kind of the perfect matchup in that it kind of fits this team over the last two years. It's crazy almost to say this, and I, I'm guessing if, if I had a choice, it'd be better to be the three seed and to take on a six seed like uh, Brooklyn, although I'd pre- I prefer probably Detroit over Brooklyn, to be honest with you. But then you go into a series as a favorite. And if you go into that Celtics series with home court, but then also the team that probably no expert is going to pick to win the series – isn't that kind of fitting? Isn't that kind of what this team has kind of thrived upon, proving doubters wrong? And, you know, when, when people count you out, then you kind of rise to the occasion. And I almost feel like, you know, it, it would be tough to be uh, an Eastern Conference championship team this year. But it, it almost feels to me like this first-round series could be the Pacers' bowl game or their, their kind of pseudo-championship if they could take on a team like Boston, who everyone projected to win the conference when it started, to take on Brad Stevens, who – might be uh, the casual Indiana basketball fan's favorite coach right now. And if they could knock them off, well, well, how cool would that be? And so to me, um, I believe if you said, are you, should you fear Boston? Yeah, I do think you should fear them. You should respect them. And you know that, you know, talent, guard against guard, forward against forward, you know, they're going to have maybe some of the advantages on the court, but I don't know if they have the intangibles. And if, if the Pacers have the home court advantage, and this is where it's a really interesting kind of topic right now in that the Pacers are not going to rest and they're going to try to go for that four seed. Uh, They are just so comfortable and confident on their home court that Boston in a best of seven series with games one, two, five, and seven potentially at Bankers Life Fieldhouse, um, I say you got a great chance. Now, it doesn't mean that, you know, I'm going to say, oh, yeah, it's going to be guaranteed Pacers advance. Uh, It'd be very tough, and I would still fear the Celtics. But I almost – I almost look forward to that matchup and that challenge more than I do, uh, uh-oh, you're the three seed and everyone thinks you're going to win and you take on an upstart Nets team. Well said, Jay. What do you guys that, think? I couldn't agree more because, honestly, that first-round playoff series is everything to me, knowing the limitations of this team without Oladipo. And I was just kind of curious, which player other than Bojan Bogdanovich is – going to have to be playing at the highest level in order for this team to get past Boston. So I'm going to go into a series, and it does look like they're a little shorthanded inside. And so I think the Pacers' big advantage could be at the center position um, with Miles Turner and DeMontis Sabonis. And I feel like, except for maybe a couple different, you know, two or three game stretches this season, Sabonis has been so consistent. I feel like you can just throw him out there and you're going to get your – you know, 12 to 15 points and, you know, 8 to 10 rebounds. And now with even more playing time, as we've seen Nate McMillan going to him a little bit earlier in games and then staying with him a little bit later, you're getting that much more production. I'm confident with what you're going to get with Sabonis. I just think that, to me, Miles Turner, when Victor Oladipo was healthy, he was sort of your, you know, 1B type of star. You're Robin to Victor Oladipo's Batman. And, and defensively, I think – all season long, he's been very consistent. He's been very productive. I think he needs to be on at least one of the all-defensive teams. But if Miles Turner is a force rebounding and in the scoring column, to me that's kind of where the series could turn in the advantage of the Pacers. And, you know, he's had some stretches. I, oddly enough, when he was wearing the mask, I feel like he was as locked in with his jump shot and his outside shot as he's been all season. I think he had a little bit of a slow start after the All-Star break. Maybe not because of the mask being off, but probably because of the injury. And I think he's one of these guys that 
after he's been out a little bit of time, it takes him a little bit of, uh, you know, a game or two to get back into the flow. But you saw it against Denver early on. Not only the, the play that he took it coast to coast and attacked the basket, but just, you know, being comfortable with the pick and pop, not hesitating, stepping into his shot. If he's hitting that outside shot, it this to me opens up everything else. And you have to have that other um, consistent score. I, I think as long as Boyan isn't tired and worn out, he's going to get you 20, and Sabonis is going to get you 15. And if you could count on you know, 15 to 20 from Miles, then you look at your other guys as, okay, who, who else is going to have the good night? Is it going to be a Darren night, or is it going to be a Tyreek Evans night, or is it going to be – um, Wesley Matthews. That, those guys, you wouldn't have to have them every game, but if you have consistent play to me from Sabonis, Miles, and Boyan, you're okay. And the only one that I'm, you know, not concerned with, but I, there's a variable there to me is Miles. Yeah, that's interesting. And I and I just want to touch real quick on my predictions with uh, or my thoughts on a Boston Pacers first round series. Like, I love your point there of you know us being the underdog going into it, not having the pressure. Like, this is a team that is, you know, going to be overlooked. And, I mean, even when we were at the three seed, I, I was seeing people all over Twitter, like from Orlando, saying, oh, I hope we can get up to the six seed so we can beat the Pacers. It's just like <laughs> so many people are like, oh, they don't have all the depots, so they're terrible, but that just means they don't pay attention, you know, unless they watch us, you know, on ESPN every once in a while. So it's it's one of those things where I get frustrated with. I do think we could hang with Boston. I think we would make it a tough series. It'd be hard for me to pick the Pacers to win a series since I did pick Boston to go to the NBA Finals this year. And I still haven't come off that ledge just because I do think that the Eastern Conference is wide open. Um, no team really f- scares me that much. And I just, you know, it just makes me sad to think that what could we be with, like, what would this team be if we had Victor Oladipo? Because we have gotten so many good pieces. And I, I love the addition of Wesley Matthews. I think he has been a fantastic fit to that starting lineup. And something that I was curious if that kind of upset Tyreek Evans a little bit. You bring a guy in that just gets bought out. And how does that affect a guy who was hoping to maybe fill that role for Victor? Now he's going back to the bench role, getting limited minutes, while a guy they just brought in off a of buyout's averaging 30 minutes. So that's that's the only concern I have with Tyreek. But yeah, I would I would love to get your thoughts, JJ, just on um, on the on the play of Sabonis and Turner together. Something we've seen a little bit more recently. Um, we know that they both have amazing skill sets that complement one another. But can these two really? just be that dominant force on the court together and and change a playoff series. Yeah. If you're saying in a playoff series, I think that is the kind of, you know, tweak adjustment, you know, I was already thinking about, you know, playoff questions and angles. And if you have a first round series where Fox sports, Indiana is allowed to broadcast all of the games, the, the kind of the joy and the fun part of, you know, game by game, analyzing what happens, seeing what adjustments are made. And that to me is a, is an adjustment that, if you don't show it in game one of the series, but then you need it in game two, then you go to it with some extended minutes. And it wouldn't be something that would be new because we've seen it um, at different times this season. But uh, I don't think it's something you want to force. And I, that's one of the things that I'll give Nate a lot of credit. I think that you could, you know, maybe right when he took over, and even there maybe was a little bit of carryover from the Frank Vogel area, I thought the substitution patterns, especially at the end of, um, Frank's time were, were kind of rigid. I mean, you kind of knew at a certain time on the clock, at a certain time out, this guy was coming in, this guy was going out. And, I mean, sometimes people get on Nate about you know substitution patterns. To me, when you have eight to nine quality above average NBA players and you don't win a game, there's always going to be an opportunity to second guess. But I've been impressed that 
depending on the situation and the circumstances, he's adjusted. He's gone with different groups. And even, you know, that Oklahoma City game, I, Thaddeus Young got a lot of credit, but Nate didn't have to listen to him. He didn't have to say, you're my starting forward. I, I need you in there. And Thad would have gone in. And he kept uh, Thaddeus – or he kept Miles and Domas in late. So I, I like that as a tweak and as like a different look in a playoff series that could win you a game. But I just want to be careful. Thaddeus Young is so important to this team on both ends as a heart and soul guy, as a glue guy, as a defender. Uh, if you're going to have both those guys on the court, unless you're super big, it means Thad's on the bench. So yeah. um, I think for little stretches of time. But I don't know that we've seen enough to be confident that you can play a majority of your minutes or at least your starter-level minutes with Miles and Domas together and have it be effective. I really love it when Domas comes in and there's a backup center that he's going against that he, you know, eats for lunch. You know, he's just you, – you, you look at certain matchups, and, and sometimes that is why Sabonis has such a good, you know, per-minute scoring average and efficiency rate. It's because he's, you know, let's be honest, sometimes he's going against backups. It's easier to do that in short stretches of playing time and against, you know, second-unit players. So – because of that, I like them to kind of stay with the flow they are right now. But you can be sure whatever's working, that's what's going to be on the court at the end of the fourth quarter. And I, I think with this team, they will be okay with whatever you know decision he makes. Yeah, how about uh, what are your thoughts on uh, this game coming up against Oklahoma City, which, by the way, uh, J.J. is on a hotel landline right now in Oklahoma, right? I am, yeah. Um, The cell phone reception wasn't so good, so I figured, you know what, why don't you call the uh, hotel line? And uh, No no crazy night planned on a Tuesday in Oklahoma City. I'm just going to watch a little uh, NIT basketball and uh, figured I'd uh, just have this nice podcast chat with you guys. Yeah, (laughs) sounds great. Well, the Thunder have dropped five of six, and that all kind of started with that loss in Indianapolis. Um, I did see they are... 23 and 12 at home they're battling for uh seeding themselves and they probably want some revenge over the pacers so might be a tough one to get but what do you expect from this game and uh will sabonis uh show up like he did last time playing them with 26 and 7 against his old teammates yeah last year he didn't have a lot of success against oklahoma city and i even talked with him in the locker room probably about 30 minutes or 45 minutes or so before the Thunder game at Baker's Life Fieldhouse, and I didn't remember it being, you know, necessarily as bad as maybe he did, but I asked him a question about Steven Adams and what he learned, you know, from playing with him for a year, and he said, well, we all remember what happened last year, and so I had to kind of go back and look at the stats, and, uh, you know, Adams kind of, one of the games Miles didn't play, so it was a lot of Domas going against Adams, and at that point, even a year ago, you know, Adams Adams looks like he's 30, but I think he's only 25 or 6. So he still is uh, he has a lot of future in this league, but he is as strong and as physical of a center as I think this league has right now. And so that to me is as much of a challenge as Paul George and Russell Westbrook. Uh, I think that, you know, in my 5 to 6 years on the road in the NBA consistently, I'm not sure there are many teams that that play as hard as Oklahoma City, so I'll credit Russell Westbrook for kind of setting the tone with this, you know, physical brand of basketball, this intense, you know, mindset. I've never seen them come in and and mail it in. Now, they're not uber talented right now, and they do have some deficiencies in terms of, I think, outside shooting, and they're not in a good pat. They're not in a good stretch. I mean, it kind of started, I think, at Bankers Life Fieldhouse, or at least continued a little bit, and they lost at Memphis to a Grizzlies team that I'm not even sure they're trying to win, and that was on um, Monday night. So, 
I think they'll be hungry. I think they look at the standings right now and see a potential first-round matchup against either Denver or Golden State, but Golden State would be what you'd want to avoid at all costs. So I think the Thunder now, while they thought maybe two weeks ago they could have been a home court team in the first round, they still can, but they've got to make sure they don't get seven or eight. So with eight games remaining, or that's how many the Pacers have, I'm not 100% on how many Oklahoma City has, I think this is going to be a tough game if the Thunder play as they are capable of. But I think they've lost five of six. So they haven't been playing that way lately. It's sometimes not that easy to just flip the switch. And Paul George's shooting percentage since the All-Star break is down significantly. I don't know if the shoulder's bothering him. Uh, He didn't play well against the Pacers last year here. Now he played great at Bankers Life Fieldhouse two weeks ago, even in a losing effort. So to me, it's a fun game. It's an intense game. If you were going to rest anybody, even though we've already moved past that topic, I almost think "Mm, maybe this would be one to rest because your guys are going to get tired and worn out from just playing the game, whether you win or lose, and you put all your focus into the Celtics. But uh, Nate McMillan's not going to do that, and if everyone's going to be ready to play, you give it a go and you see what happens. Hey, JJ, before we end this, I just have a personal question for you. Aside from your suit game always being on point, which I don't know how you do it, uh, as someone who grew up as a huge Pacer fan, like yourself, um, and I understand how you have to separate being a, a diehard fan at times when you are being professional, but what has been the most fun that you've had covering the team in your time? You know, in, in general terms, it's just been fun kind of being a part of the daily process. And, you know, when I was working at Fox 59, um, I was always someone that had to move from one sport to another or balance covering, you know, Butler and IU or go right from college basketball to the Indy 500. And, you know, I was kind of the person when I played, I played three sports in high school, but I never wanted one season to end. And that, that's been some of my most memorable, disappointing days have been the last games of the seasons because I've always wanted it to continue. And I do like the fact that I've been able to be a part of the team while I'm not necessarily wearing a Pacer logo on my sport coat and I'm not wearing a, you know, I'm not holding a Pacers mic flag because I'm on the plane with them and I'm, you know, traveling with them and I'm, you know, I'm talking to them on a daily basis and getting to know the players. It, it is nice to once again sort of feel like you're a part of the team, even though I'm, you know, technically media. So I think that it is surreal at times when I think back to hanging out outside Market Square Arena. And when I was in high school, what we would do sometimes if we didn't have practice or we got out of, uh, had no game and got out of practice early, some of those playoff series is we would just come down and hang out downtown and, uh, you know, go to a restaurant. And it was amazing um, in the 90s what that atmosphere was like as, you know, fans were just going crazy for that team in that era. And I was just, you know, I was, I was captivated by all of that. And now to be someone that young fans and, you know, I, I feel like over the last year and a half to two years, whether it's just been the Victor Oladipo effect or the way the team has just kind of, you know, I think made new fans, but I've had so many more people come up to me and tell me how much they appreciate, you know, what I do, what we do on Fox Sports Indiana. It it makes me feel good. And so um, it's kind of a long-winded and a general, general answer, but just to be a part of the team and to know that I'm kind of, you know, playing a role in helping shape future generations of Pacers fans and getting them excited about the games um, has probably been, you know, the thing that I've enjoyed the most. And I do think that when I'm on the air for 30 minutes before every game, and I know not everybody has the time and energy to devote to a 30-minute pregame show, let alone a, you know, two and a half, you know, sometimes three hours worth of game coverage, uh, 
if someone's going to watch the game before the game, I try to, whether it's a four-game losing streak or whether you're coming off a win against Denver, to bring the same energy and to just get people fired up for the game. Whether, you know, maybe you're playing Atlanta, who isn't, doesn't have much to play for in a half-empty arena. Hey, it's still fun. I mean, this is still kind of a dream come true for me, as it should be for really all of the players on the team. They're all living their dream. I'm living my dream, and I, I try to uh, portray some of that enthusiasm and hope it comes across through the uh, cameras. That's it awesome does. to hear, Mayor, man. That's so cool. And uh, I agree with you about the 90s Pacers. What a fun time. But I do have to ask you one quick thing before I let you go. I'm, I'm, it's very fitting tonight. I'm wearing my LeBron Fears Lance shirt, and the Lakers are officially eliminated <laughs> from the playoffs. No LeBron James in the playoffs. What are you more excited about, the Pacers making the playoffs or LeBron James not making the playoffs? Well, I have been probably more vocal than I should have over at times over the years about some of the frustration of uh, not only you know seeing a team that I'm a part of or covering lose to LeBron, but some of the antics that I feel like at times. Uh, sometimes I feel like the NBA could have re- redone the logo and just put a LeBron James logo because I do feel like they <laughs> they've at times they've at times catered to him or catered to him a little bit too much. So I am looking forward to be honest with you to a playoff. Um, you know, two-month little stretch where LeBron's not the storyline. Now, I still think a certain network will probably devote at least an hour or two every morning to the latest LeBron rumor or the potential uh, Lakers signing that will not come to fruition. Um, so you'll still have to hear about that. But I'm definitely more interested. That It's petty to go the other way with your question. I'm more interested to see uh, this Pacers team in the playoffs. And I think, you know, it's been fun to – after so many years, everyone criticizes the Eastern Conference. And honestly, you know, the West has been uh, better over the years. But I, I think the Pacers were probably the team, if you look at LeBron's history in the Eastern Conference, uh, I'm not sure that there has been a team, whether he was at Miami or Cleveland, that has given them him more problems. I mean, I think he – I don't know that he. you could say he feared Bankers Life Fieldhouse, but I think there is a respect that he had for the fans and for the way the Pacers played in really two different eras – of Pacers basketball and, you know, what, five different playoff series. Um, even the one that was a sweep, uh, that was the that was the most difficult sweep, I think, in NBA playoff history. So I think that LeBron would tell you that the Pacers are not an easy out. The only disappointment, I think, is that one of those years, it just could not have been the one to eliminate him. And now I guess he's eliminated before it even starts. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's pretty fitting, and it's pretty awesome to see that. So, well, J.J., we're going to wrap things up here. We really appreciate you coming on. Hope you are uh, in, enjoying a nice day at the great hotel in Oklahoma that I've heard so many stories about. Um, enjoy the NIT uh, Indiana Hoosiers game as well. I'm sure I'll enjoy some of it as myself. And I know Tyler will be watching it. Fachi's still hurting over there because his uh, West Virginia team did not make either tournament. They're in the CIT, which nobody even knows where that's they at. They didn't even make the NIT. They made the CIT? I didn't know they had the Big 12 teams that accepted those invitations. I didn't know if we would. We just got bounced by Coastal Carolina in the CBI tournament. It, CBI, it was pretty worse. Rough. Yes, yes. It almost sounds made up. But, uh, thanks for rubbing we, that in. Are they once both more. still around anyway, CBI and CIT? Or is it just one? I, I think it's just the CBI now. I thought, I, thought, okay. I thought IUPUI made the CIT for some reason. But oh well. Who That's knows? how little it's talked about. But <laughs> thank you very much. <laughs> JJ, yeah. I appreciate the time. Yeah, we look forward to seeing Happy you tomorrow to night. Time, guys, and I appreciate all uh, your support and also any fans that are listening. Like I said, I, I do really appreciate whether it's on Twitter or even in the lobby as I'm walking from 
um, you know, from the court to the the pregame set, you know, people's coming up and stopping and talking to me. I, I, I really appreciate the Pacer fans and it's, it's been a, it's really been a fun season. And I think you could even go back to the last two to the start of last season. It's just been, you know, a team that's really been as fun to be around as I think fans have enjoyed watching them on TV. And, you know, what I said about this first round playoff series, who knows what happens next year. I, I don't want to say that, you know, you go into a series and it's a win no matter what, because I do think it would be fitting and I think it would be something deserved for this team, for guys like that and Darren and Boyan and Miles, you know, that have kind of been through it all and for Victor to even be there hopefully watching from the bench. If they can get that playoff series win, it'll be some validation to me, not that they need any for, for all the kind of hard work that they've put in and for how they've kind of gone against the grain in terms of even the front office and putting this team together and, and building a team while not going back to the bottom. And so that's why I just think it's a fun time of the year. I can't wait to kind of see the matchups, and I can't wait to see what happens in mid-April. Same here, right. man. Keep up the great work. Yep. All right. Thanks, guys. It, JJ, we'll see you, man. All right, that does it for another excellent episode of Setting the Pace. Really appreciate Jeremiah Johnson hopping on the phone all the way in Oklahoma to talk to us about the current state of the team and just the Pacers in general. Fachi, where can the great followers of Setting the Pace find us at? At Setting the Pace 3 on Twitter. Guys, we are putting out some great content, but we want to hear from the fans. We want to hear how can we make the show better and also submit your questions. That way, guys like Jeremiah Johnson can answer them. So, a lot of fun stuff going on. Yeah, exactly. And you can also subscribe on Apple Podcasts to our podcast as well. We are in the process of getting this show on Spotify and all the other great places where you can find podcasts. So with that being said, thanks so much for checking us out. We'll talk to you all next week. Peace out. Let's go Pacers.